0: Welcome to As it comes, life from a musician's point of view. I'm Davina. I'm a freelance cellist based in London, whatever that means now, and I'm crawling into the fog of the new year, attempting to get some kind of structure back into my life. At the best of times, getting started in January was often a struggle for freelance musicians. Back in the day, we'd lament the lack of performance work and look ahead in horror at the impending doom of the tax return at the end of January. Which reminds me, I need to get on to that. I can't say it's going to be a very joyous event, especially given the past year. Time to dig out those receipts. Uh, I will admit, I used to go back to teaching having completely forgotten who my students were or what they were playing, especially as a lot of them were playing Christmas carols since November in an attempt to distract them from real life. As musicians generally, we're used to this quiet time, but this year we have to come up with different strategies for getting through sad January. So as a result, I'm going to make sure that I have things to structure my day. Over December, I basically did nothing apart from sit on my couch playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and it's very tempting to bring that forward into January. But the usual things that I used to do to occupy myself in January's past aren't all possible like seeing friends. So here are some things I will do instead. I will remember all my students' names. I will remember what they're playing and try, try to be a good teacher. I'm gonna catch up on some content that a lot of my friends are creating, including watching live streams. I watched one the other day with my dinner and the next day I watched Stephen Isilus perform at Wigmore Hall while I ate my lunch. I have to say, I'm a huge fan of eating while watching a concert. And finally, I'm going to try and move the limbs of my body at least once a day, most likely in the form of yoga. Last episode, I spoke about small, manageable and positive decisions. This time, I'm going to direct those towards enjoyable and achievable moments so that when prompted, I will not only be able to tell you the names of my students, but also what day of the week it is in an attempt to maintain some concept of linear time. On a more positive note, Lucy Drever is my guest for this episode. We had a chat in December about how she brings music to communities, the importance of music in cross-curricular learning, and surprising oneself on the perception of just what is music education, leading her to become the head of musicianship with the Benedetti Foundation. The work of the Benedetti Foundation has been extremely present throughout the pandemic, offering regular sessions and tutorials for young musicians online with fantastic and inspiring artists. Lucy also offers advice for how to stay motivated and keep your love of music alive during this time, as we're embedded in lockdown here in the UK. Again, for the third time, here's my conversation with Lucy. My washing machine has just stopped freaking out. It sounded like it was going to take off like into space earlier, but I think that stopped now. Good. All right. I'll kick things off officially. So Lucy Drever, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me remotely from Scotland. Is that right?
1: Yeah, from Glasgow.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. Well, welcome to beautiful sunny day here in London. So 2020 has been a funny year for reasons which... We don't need to explain. But what's something that you're looking forward to doing in 2021?
1: Yeah, 2020 has been a year, hasn't it? Um, and I think because of the way that 2020 has been, I think in 2021, I'm most looking forward to the art sector sort of getting back to some form of normal but Mm. I say that as someone who loves to go to gigs and someone who yeah just loves to see live performance but also as someone who obviously has so many colleagues and friends and loved ones in this industry who have just had a really hard time so I think I'm most looking forward to just it all getting back to some form of normal
0: for people. I can't wait to go to a gig again not that I went to many beforehand but I think because of this deprivation it's made us really crave that again, hasn't it? You know, Mm -hmm. how how good will it be to go to a performance with your friends and, you know, go to dinner before or afterwards and yeah, just that whole feeling, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think I mean, I've always gone to quite a lot of gigs, but I just, I never realized how much it sort of filled me up as like someone who's in the industry, who's working with music every day, how much I need it for almost energy (laughs) and just being able to sit in the audience and feel that magic of live art. I just, yeah, I'm quite surprised at how much I miss it. But Mm -hmm. as you say, it's the dinner beforehand, the pub afterwards, the dancing, you know, I just, yeah. Looking
0: yeah. forward to that. <laughs> That's the whole collective experience, isn't it? Yeah, just making it, yeah. making a night out of it. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure we'll be back. I'm, I have high hopes. Brilliant answer to 2021. And I think we can only go upwards from here. I think it would be very, very unlucky if we were to go down from 2020. But just to introduce you to people who might not be familiar with who you are and what you do. You're a workshop leader and presenter and you bring music to lots of different settings outside of the concert hall, including prisons, care homes, and hospitals, and working with various ensembles and foundations, uh, including the Benedetti Foundation, which we'll talk about shortly. But what drew you to this line of work as a musician?
1: So I, uh, looking back on it, have always been involved in some form of community work. So whether that was at school and you had to do like a certain amount of volunteering hours and I had the most amazing music teacher who was letting me lead choirs as well but then when I left school I actually did two years of care work so I used to go into people's homes and yeah provide the care um that meant that they could stay at home and then it was my singing teacher I still didn't know what I was going to go on and study and my singing teacher was like why don't you just go and study some singing and I was like, yeah, that sounds good. So, came down to London and just pretty quick, quickly, I just like naturally gravitated towards the learning and participation department at Trinity Labin, where I studied. Mm. And um, I actually did data entry for one of their community projects that was so groundbreaking. It was Animate Orchestra. And the whole preface of it was that any young person. That played any instrument, and that includes um like garage band on the iPad or beatboxing, anything could fit into like this orchestra model, but there was no music involved, everyone was just learning by ear hmm. and because I was doing the data entry, um I got to really kind of see the behind the scenes of how community work was set up, and then I got the opportunity to observe an amazing workshop leader leader, Natasha Lohan. And she worked with this choir called Retired Not Tired. They've got a different name now. But I just, when I had always worked with the older generation before, it was always singing like wartime songs, which actually looking back on it is just really inappropriate because so many of the older generation now, they like weren't alive in the war, you know, so I don't know why we always kind of gravitate towards that rep um it's crazy isn't it yeah but Natasha did like creative composition and they would all bring in poems or they would bring in bring in items that really meant something to them and then she just had this way of like getting lyrics and movement out of them and just creating music that was genuinely music that they were creating, not something that somebody right. was putting onto them.
0: So it was kind of tailored to their experiences and their life rather exactly. than you're a vaguely old person. You must be interested in this wartime tune.
1: <laughs> exactly. And like actually valuing the person in that exact moment yeah. rather than your idea of them. And I just had never seen somebody work in such a creative way before and then kind of off and on for the next few years I was lucky enough to get quite a lot of community experience with Trinity Labans learning and participation and um one of the heads there was just like oh you should go do the trainee music leader scheme at Wigmore Hall and I was so stubborn Davina honestly so (laughs) stubborn and I was like no I don't want to be involved in education because in my view education was just kind of 52 weeks a year in school doing the same thing every day and I know that's so so short-sighted but at that time and being a lot younger that's what I thought
0: right so you hadn't quite opened up your view as to what it could be at that point
1: yeah Yeah. I very much just thought that education was going to be like ABRSM like
0: (laughs) sitting behind the little desk and can I please have your F major scale
1: (laughs) exactly exactly which I really respect but you know, it just, it didn't kind of light the fire in my belly. And so I was, um, yeah, just really stubborn. And then I did a community project with a lecturer, one of my lecturers, Paul Bartholomew. And it was every Thursday, we'd leave London at like 7am, we wouldn't get back until 11pm. And in the day, we would have worked in like six schools, primary and secondary, we'd have been to two community choirs. And it was just my favourite day of the week. And at that time, I was kind of just doing work to very much pay the bills. And I just loved it. And so I was like, right, I'm going to apply for this trainee music leader scheme at Wigmore. And I applied, and I got it. And honestly, that just changed my life right. it opened up my eyes to this new world and yeah, yeah. I, I cannot tell you how much that experience changed my life
0: so that was the turning point and so what did that scheme involve exactly
1: so for 11 months I was able to observe and assist and lead on various aspects of their community program so they um do a project called chamber tots which is for zero to fives Yeah. Um, they have music for life, which is for, uh, people living with dementia and their families as well. Music for thought, which is also for people living with dementia. Um, and hospital school work, schoolwork and presenting, which I mm-hmm. didn't know was a thing, like education presenting. And I got to see so many different aspects. And what yeah. was really interesting is I went in again. <laughs> There's a bit of a theme here. I'm quite stubborn. I went in with a very like exact view of, Oh, I'm going to love that. And I'm going to be doing that part of it. But in my head, I was like, I don't particularly like children, so I'm not going to be doing any of the earlier stuff. And now the hilarious thing is, is I'm one of their early years leaders.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like one of my favorite things to do, just to play with like the most creative people on the planet, the zero to
0: fives.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so it kind of just uh, an opportunity to just see their work. And it's a really amazingly creative and thoughtful department.
0: Mm-hmm. So. So quite far from the perspective that you had before of just a, of I shouldn't say just of ABRSM and that sort of side of music education, but also just opening your eyes to all the different things that you can do and how how it surprises you as well. Yeah, I mean there've definitely been times in in my experience where you go in with a certain attitude, thinking, "Oh, I'm not sure if I'll like that," like as you're saying with the children before, but then it, it can surprise you. I think it's a, it's a certain Mindset? Did you feel like your attitudes sort of switched when you were presented with different opportunities like this?
1: Yeah, completely. And I think the biggest attitude shifting moment was just this realization that in the room, it's not like kind of a hierarchy of music leader and then musician and then participant, but actually, it's just a level playing field of these equal voices each with an equal right to be creative and an equal space to have their voice heard, no matter who the participant or musician or workshop leader is. And that, to me, felt exciting and it felt quite game-changing. Mm. And I was just able to see the most amazing workshop leaders go about their workshops doing this and, and it genuinely being an equal and collaborative experience. Yeah, And to this day, like, I think that's why I I so I so miss live in-person workshops because I just miss that connection
0: you know. Yeah yeah and with the lack of latency. Was this quite different from your musical upbringing?
1: I think in some respects yes but I am I was really lucky with the music department at school. I had the same music teacher actually from in Scotland you have uh, like P1 which is like reception, mm. um, up to S6. And I had the same music teacher throughout. And he was just so like into everything from Evensong to Pink Floyd to, right. you know, he had such a diverse range. So from very early on, we were singing a whole range of stuff. And, and then there was a, an amazing drama department and I was able to do lots of musical theater, But I guess in the sense of doing exams and doing like grades and stuff, it was quite traditional. Mm. I don't think I ever did that much composition or if it was composition, it was like on Sibelius and I was just awful at it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was my experience of composition as well, just randomly punching in keys and
1: yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah. it felt and I'm not sure if you felt the same but it felt very much like there was a right and there was a wrong answer
0: yeah sometimes yeah in some aspects of my musical education at least and there'd be certain rules that perhaps I hadn't grasped and I thought oh, I'm not quite adhering to that is it still valid mm. but yeah it's being able to showcase to young musicians that there's not necessarily a right or a wrong. And as you were saying before, that everyone's voice is valid, whether or not mm. it's traditional. But then it sound, it does sound like, you know, at least you had that variation from your music teacher, as you as you mentioned before, doing even song, Pink Floyd. The only Pink Floyd lyric that comes to mind right now, which is weirdly not super appropriate, is we don't need no education. <laughs> 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 Actually. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's really great to hear about that. So moving on to your role at the Benedetti Foundation, where you head up the musicianship program. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is right. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it feels weird for you to say that. <laughs>
0: oh, Really? <laughs> Benedetti Foundation, I feel like it's been quite omnipresent throughout 2020. I see a lot of it on social media. I was seeing it, you know, shortly before the lockdown where there were, you know, you'd see pictures of Nikki Benedetti surrounded by a billion little violinists (laughs) in in halls around the country. So the foundation provides transformative orchestra-based workshops for young people and teachers advocating quality arts and cultural education in schools and at home, most pertinently, at home so tell me about your role as head of musicianship so you you flinched a little bit when I when I mentioned that um did it come as a bit of a surprise to you to get that role
1: yeah it did because I'm I'm absolutely not an instrumentalist and I apart from at school I've never played in an orchestra but I think it kind of sums up the Benedetti Foundation ethos that they get somebody like me involved who's very much community-based, who's very much coming from a place of, if I listen to a piece of Mozart or Haydn, I'm not actually thinking about the the musical ingredients, I'm actually thinking about how does that make you feel and what's the story and what can you see in your imagination and how does that make you want to play and how does that make you want to connect with your audience? And Laura, the director of the um, Benedetti Foundation and Nikki, they are just so strong in their advocacy that music education is so much broader than it has been. And they really think that every child deserves not only to do these exams and of course to learn like the technical foundations, Mm. but that they kind of join the dots earlier on and that you know, in our young people, they imagination comes so naturally to them, and it's about it's about keeping that kind of special magic mm. to bring to your playing, rather than forgetting about all of that, focusing on the technical aspects of it, and then somehow getting that back when you're like twenty five standing on stage in front of an audience. Yeah,
0: you know? it's a little bit like what we were saying before with composition and not really knowing, oh, should I adhere to the rules or, or this or that? But yeah, as you mentioned children have such an incredible imagination that comes naturally to them. And you do notice it with some people, they're scared to say exactly how a piece of music makes them feel because they're scared Mm. it's the wrong answer. I've definitely had this in my experience with teaching private cello students. And um, I mean, okay, so there's this piece in grade five and it's called Robots March. And it ends with a very violent sportsando at the end, just, and I I just asked the student, what do you think happens to the robots at the end? And he couldn't answer. I think he'd just been completely paralysed by this um, these parameters of like what we must say and what we mustn't say. It was really really difficult to get an answer out of him. But then eventually he just had an outburst and he said, "The robots die." And I was like, I, basically, I celebrated at that point because he actually said something and it made me just. I, I just really wanted to highlight with him that there is no right or wrong answer, and that is a very valid and accurate description of this piece but yeah i mean like how how do you go about just keeping those minds open and especially in parts of society where that's not necessarily encouraged
1: i think that's an excellent question and i do think that's one of the reasons it's so powerful to have somebody like nikki really advocating for that openness and that openness to learn and that openness to imagine because like, let's not be about the bush. She's like the top of her game. She's <laughs> marvelous, wonderful. But, you know, before you said earlier, like these photos of her surrounded by all these children, and that's exactly what these weekends are. And she's so, I always feel really bad for her. Her schedule is insane on these weekends. And she's always there with lots of energy and lots of ideas. But the main thing is, is like, mistakes are cool and she's always saying that but she's like you've got to just stay open you've got to stay open to the story so I think having someone like her who is breaking quite traditional boundaries that quite a lot of us have been brought up in in terms of music um is is really powerful I think as well like we have to listen more to Classroom teachers, I just think teachers are, like, the most... Like, they have fountains of knowledge that, as musicians working with young people, we could all really gain from, and thinking about what they need in terms of what songs and what kind of, like, creative music making Mm. in the classroom that isn't just an uh, kind of abstract music lesson, but is linked to the topic that they're studying, or it's just... I don't know. I th- I think that we have to, like, focus less on kind of making a million Nicky Benedettis, <laughs> but actually we just have to make, like... <laughs> a million really confident young people who can walk into a room and say their name and know that they deserve that job opportunity.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I you know? I agree 100% because it's not the aim of every music teacher to create more mini little prodigies, but it's to create people who can appreciate music, art, but also how that informs the other skills in their life as well. And I think, like as you mentioned before, music being a form of storytelling and how music can be used to link and create a sort of cross-curricular sort of scheme where you know music is is a physical activity it's a science it's maths as well it's all these all these different things Mm -hmm. so not just going through the mechanics Yeah.
1: yeah yeah I was working with a teacher once who her her class were having difficulty learning their three times table so we literally just got out a drum and put a beat underneath it Hmm. and just kind of set the three times table to this beat and then they the the class they just then were able to recite it and they were able to do the answers and
0: you know that is music and that's great that what an amazing tool as well and you know what that's probably something that they'll never forget because it'll be (laughs) if you have something catchy enough it'll just stay in your brain forever (laughs) yeah. <laughs> they'll be like 40 but years old and then it will come back and oh, I remember my three times tables
1: <laughs> yeah but you know like maybe you're the same but I can still remember <laughs> the French songs that we learned at school in French <laughs> to like learn certain phrases and I should have much better French and I don't apart from the songs <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Next time you go to France and you can you can sing your, your request. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think about some of the songs that we learnt in uh, primary school back in New Zealand where I'm from. And we learn a lot of, you know, snippets of, of the Maori language um, through song. And it's incredible how it just takes you back. And when you learn anything at primary school age, it just really, really sticks with you. But what I love about those sorts of things is that you can mention any of these songs to any Kiwi from a certain <laughs> generation anywhere around the world. And there's this kind of like call and response thing. It's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Really special. Yeah.
1: That's so funny you said that because I just, um sometimes, you know, when you like see people from school and like you do my. You know, just like chatting, having dinner. And then you do all just like break out into the songs that you <laughs> used to sing, like surrounded by the primary school teacher, you know. Oh, I love it. I love it, love yeah, it, love yeah.
0: it. Yeah. That's that's well, yeah, it's the great unifier, isn't it? So what's been a highlight for you in 2020 working with the foundation?
1: Definitely one hundred percent the virtual sessions in May. And that's for various reasons that is my main highlight. I think you know, as musicians, we can all remember that week in March that just our diaries got completely cleared and it all just looked a bit bleak <laughs> and a bit scary. Yep. And then Nikki and Laura, I've talked about stubbornness quite a lot. But they were so stubborn in the fact that this was, and I mean stubborn in the best way, but they were like, this is going to happen. We're going to be really positive. We're going to be really optimistic and we're going to put it online. So for three weeks, we were leading workshops with young people and people over 18 and like instrumentalists, non-instrumentalists, music specialists, non-music specialists all over the world. And we like well, they really, you know, created this amazing community that just came together at Mm. such a difficult time to make music together and to learn and to imagine. And it just, it really kind of gave me confidence for the rest of the year. And not just Mm. because it meant that I got to, like, master how Zoom worked and (laughs) Instagram Live. Nikki, like, made me get an Instagram, you know, like... And just like Facebook Live, not just because of the practical sides, but just in the value of it and with the feedback that we were getting, it was just so obvious how important it was. And so, yeah, that's definitely been the highlight.
0: And I imagine... It's so important for not just the participants, but for you as well, having something to look forward to, having something in the diary, having a sense of purpose, Mm. and so that you can get to, well, here we are now in December 2020, and have things to look forward to in 2021. Such a valuable, very valuable experience. So I've got one more question regarding that. What piece of advice would you give to young music makers now to stay motivated during these various stages of lockdown and restrictions?
1: (laughs) Mm, Excellent question. You know, the main piece of advice, and I think this year has probably taught us all this, whether you're a young person or not, is just to not put additional pressure on yourself. If you want to practice, great. If today's not your day, absolutely fantastic. But there are other ways of being musical And just try to do something musical every day, whether that's playing your instrument, whether that's listening to a piece of music that you've never listened to before, whether that's listening to a piece of music that you possibly played last year and haven't listened to since, or if you know that you're going to be playing a piece next year, like, listen to that. One of the best things, I think, about lockdown has been that so many of the um, orchestras and ensembles and opera companies have been streaming their performances Mm watch them get inspired like listen to some music you know see see people performing um but yeah probably the main thing is just don't put too much pressure on yourself you know yeah
0: yeah for sure I mean because if you're practicing because you feel like you have to and your heart's not really in it you're probably not going to have a very good practice session are you (laughs) Yeah. yeah 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 no that's really good advice it's it's just keeping the music alive even in this very desolate desperate year just remembering why you like music I've definitely found that there have been times where I listen to a piece of music and initially I think oh this is a bit sad I was meant to play this later this year but then also I feel grateful as well because sometimes I listen to a piece of music and I think oh I played this last year well I'm lucky I got to play it last year (laughs) You know, at least you have that. At least you have the things that you've done before to feel grateful for. And they'll be back. I'm I'm adamant.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I thought we'd move on now. So you may or may not know in my podcast, I have a segment called the wildcard question round. And this is your chance to choose what I ask you next based on three topics that I present you. Amazing. Okay, so your topics are new skills, favorite pastimes, and because this is me, food.
1: Oh, yeah, no, it has to be food. Oh, great.
0: (laughs) Excellent. You've made my day. (laughs) So, um, I mean, I love this. I'm very passionate about food. I think a lot of listeners are quite aware of that now. I talk about food a lot. (laughs) I think about food a lot as well. So my question to you, two questions, actually, what did you last eat and what will you eat next?
1: Oh, honestly, I could talk about this all day. So actually, it's been a very exciting morning food wise.
0: Oh, go on. Because
1: So I've just moved to Glasgow. I moved in the middle of the pandemic. I've been in London for right. about 12 years. So we're just kind of trying to get to no places, but in lockdown, and there's this bakery called Deanston Bakery, and they do like these filled like rolls, but like a cinnamon roll, Ooh. but like filled, they do like a savoury version, and I just had a mushroom and truffle oil roll thing, and it was, it was heaven. Stop. Oh, and cheddar as well.
0: Oh, oh it's got to have, it's got to have <laughs> cheese, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, you got to you got to have a bit of cheese in there. That's like basically oh. the only reason why I'm not vegan is because I love cheese so much. <laughs> but yeah. um but yeah, oh that sounds so delicious and savory. I've definitely got more of a savory tooth. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, no me too. Me too. Yeah.
0: yeah. So was that so that was breakfast. That's quite a decadent breakfast for you.
1: Yeah, it, it really <laughs> was. You know, yeah. Yeah. But I've so I've you know zoom life I've kind of got zooms for the next few hours now so yeah it's yep. probably just going to be a bit of a salad after and then a big hearty main evening meal
0: oh yeah, yeah. and what will that be
1: um so my partner makes these vegetarian sausage rolls
0: yeah oh, with
1: like a tapenade in it and it's heaven
0: it's tapenade is that like olive mushed up or yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so it's like olives and peppers and some of the oh, what's it called that red paste? Uh, Honestly, it's amazing. Red paste.
0: Okay, I feel like I should know that, but I don't. That's weird. Anyway, <laughs> I'll look it up later.
1: Yeah, it's it's proper proper great and yeah. real like comforting. You know, because it's quite cold.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. How cold is it in Glasgow today? <laughs>
1: Probably if you've lived here for a while, like, not that cold, but I'm freezing. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: You know what? I'm just thinking, it's early December. This is the first time in, like, two years that I've not been in Glasgow at this time of year, because I'm, I'm usually there for just coincidence, really. I always seem to have things at this time of year up up in Glasgow, and I love it. Uh, there's just so many nice places to eat there. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm always eating out in Glasgow, because I don't live there, so I have to scope out restaurants and stuff, but... the The amount of like delicious sourdough pizzas I've had or like nice coffee, it just, in a way, it sort of reminds me of being back somewhere like, you know, back home. Doesn't necessarily feel like I'm in the UK still. I love it. Yeah. great. Well, thanks for telling me about your day in food. It's given me like new goals. Thank you
1: for asking. Thank you for asking. I could honestly talk about food.
0: I'm really intrigued by that mushroom, truffle oil, cheddar situation.
1: Next time you're up here, head to Deanston Bakery. Honestly, change Dean. your life. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah. I will do. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for your insights on your work as um, Head of Musicianship with the Benedetti Foundation. It's been really fascinating talking to you. And also, thanks for telling me about your day and food. So where can people find out more about you and your work?
1: So I have a website, just Lucy drever r.com. And I'm on Twitter, Lucy underscore Dreaver, and I'm also on Instagram at the same handle, Lucy underscore Dreaver. And right. yeah, I Instagram is mostly like plants and Glasgow, but Twitter is all the work stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh, plants! Oh, that's another thing we could talk about. I'm currently propagating a million spider plants because I've got a spider plant that's shooting off all these little babies. So I've got I've got about yeah. eight in the flat. They're brilliant. Here's one. I'll probably oh, cut maybe. this out, but look, so robust Aww. and so healthy. Yeah, but yeah, you got to have plants. They they make your home, don't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, I've really gotten into it during lockdown, and they've been a lifesaver.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can see one behind you actually. What is that?
1: Yeah. So oh. this is a lipstick
0: plant. A lipstick. Yeah. And I've actually got them? my
1: yeah, and I've got my spider plant next to it as
0: well. Oh, you do! Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's a really really nice yeah. feature. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks once again for being on the podcast, Lucy.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. So much.
0: Hope you enjoyed my chat with Lucy. Remember to check out the show notes for details on Lucy's work, as well as the Benedetti Foundation, which will continue to be a force throughout 2021. I've just had a look on their website and you can buy books with tips for string players and string teachers like advice on practice routines, how to stay inspired, how to teach shifting. I need these books in my life. There are also tons of inspirational videos and sessions that students can sign up for with fantastic tutors. No greater time than the present to check this out, especially if you're at home looking for some teaching inspiration or looking for something that will help out a young musician that you know. That's it for today. Special thanks to Roz Nagy for my logo and Daniel Elms for my jingle. Massive thanks to Lucy Drever for being my inspirational guest and special thanks to Rebecca Driver Media Relations for their help this episode. What's keeping you busy these days? Get in touch at asitcomespodcast at gmail.com or on the website asitcomes.com where you'll also find all previous episodes and transcripts of the podcast. You can also get in touch with me via Instagram and Facebook, where I highly recommend you give me a follow and a like at As It Comes Pod. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to those who have already done so. And thanks for continuing to spread the word. Chat to you soon and take good care. Bye.